Welcome to Social Work Shorts Insights, a podcast where I just talk to people who know stuff. So welcome to uh, this edition of Social Work Shorts uh, Insights, and today we're uh, joined by uh, Dan Lawson, who is a social work practitioner. Do you want to introduce yourself, Dan, and tell us a little bit about your journey so far? Of course. So um, my name's Dan, and I am a social worker in the Achieving Change Together team at Gearshead Council. I've been qualified for three years now, and was fortunate enough to be lectured by the good selves of Stephen Mordew, etc. at Sunderland University. I've uh, dipped my toe in a few different teams since qualifying. I completed my newly qualified ESYE in a hospital discharge team moved over to a locality team after completing that and dipped my toe back in hospital discharge at the start of the COVID pandemic as well to support with their discharge to assess. So yes, I've uh, moved around a bit and had a lot of different experiences in a short amount of time, which I feel quite fortunate for. That's great. I kind of believe it's three years, Dan. The the years absolutely, absolutely fly by. They do. So um, you've you've largely, my understanding is you've largely worked under something called three conversations as a as a concept or an idea of a way to kind of do to do social work. Um, So could you just maybe tell me um, what three conversations is about and kind of what the three conversations are? Yeah, of course. So um, three conversations was a concept developed by an organisation called Partners for Change. The stress that it's not a model of social work practice, but more we are thinking for organisations and practitioners about that practice that you know they're delivering to the people we work with. And what they do, quite surprisingly, is they think of social work as three separate conversations. So they see a conversation one about being listening and connecting with the people you work with, finding out what matters to them what you can do to support them to live the life that they want to live. The conversation two looks at working with people in a bit more of a crisis situation. Something has happened in their life to derail it from the sense of, you know, normality that they usually live in. And what can we do to support that person to get their life back the way that they want it to be before continuing to work with them further or even you know, stepping off the gas and you've supported somebody through that crisis. And then conversation three is very much kind of the final work that you should be doing with somebody about what can you do to work with that person to develop a good life, a life that they want to live and a life that they're satisfied and happy with. And it's not a linear process. You don't have to meet with somebody, have a conversation one, have a conversation two, then move on to a conversation three. Uh, the way that kind of I tried to understand it when I first started working that way was a bit of a pyramid. So you've got a conversation one and a conversation two at the bottom of that pyramid, and you can bounce between that one and that two as often or as little as you need to to support somebody through the situation that they found themselves in at that time because. You know, let's face it, people don't contact adult social care and come to us unless there's something that went wrong in their life or changed in their life that they need that support with. And Partners for Change and the Free Conversations see that you should work with somebody 
intensively in that period of time to get them to that point before then moving on to that conversation free planning at the top of the pyramid when it's appropriate to do so and that you should never start long-term planning with somebody in that point of a crisis you know it's still you know you've still got all your care act eligibility you know that doesn't take anything away but it's how you work with people and taken away from some of them process driven sometimes deficits and weakness based models of assessment that i think became the norm for quite some time in social work and instead you know having a conversation with somebody which it's what it's all about at the end of the day and i'm going to talk about betty because i think talking about betty is a good way of trying to kind of demonstrate what the free conversations looks like in practice so say you've got betty she lives a life that she likes living she's a very independent lady but she's feeling a bit bored a bit isolated so she contacts our local council to say that she feels you know that she's not getting that engagement that she wants on a day-to-day basis the worker goes out and meets with betty has a chat with her and she says, you know, she just wants to be doing more. She feels that ideas are a bit repetitive. She's managing independently. You know, she can wash, she can cook, she can clean, she can meet all of that eligibility criteria, but she just feels a bit isolated. But another part of the free conversations is about knowing your local communities and knowing what's happening in them communities, not just your formal services, like your dear services, your domiciliary care providers, but that the cafe on the corner has a lunch club every Tuesday and a Thursday, which a few, you know, older ladies go to. That the church on the corner on a Friday has a coffee morning where people, you know, sit and talk about things and have arts and crafts clubs afterwards. And it's about knowing them services in your community and being able to connect people to them. Mm. And again, taking them steps with people if you need to. So Betty's quite interested in this arts and crafts club on a Friday at the church. She's a bit anxious to go though. So you say you'll go along with her that first time, see what it's like and see if it's for you. She gets there and she absolutely loves it. And she finds out that they actually do things on a Monday and a Wednesday as well. So Betty's happy with that. She takes herself there, you know, three times a week and she feels like there's nothing else that can be done for her at that time. And you've, work with her to do what you need to do with her but Mm. say two weeks later betty sadly has a fall and she injures herself and that independence that she had before lots of that's been taken away from her now she's struggling to make herself something to eat she's struggling to get washed and dressed on the morning so we need to do something to work with betty in this crisis period to get her over that and back to that level of independence she was at before so it could be a case of Betty does need some carers to go in and support her, but she might not need that for the rest of her life. You know, she doesn't necessarily need four 30-minute calls a day, which seems to be the standard social work ticky box exercise of going in and, you know, making sure she's washed, dressed, have her medication, see you later, Betty will be back at 12 o'clock. She just needs a little bit of support to pick her out of that situation that she's in. But the carers can work with her and get her back to that level of independence she was previously at, say six weeks later, the fracture's healed, she's got her confidence back, and she's back at that previous level of independence, 
then you've moved out of that conversation two crisis back to you're at that conversation one. So now that we've pulled ourselves out of that crisis, what can we do to support you back in your community? And again, that could be the end of your work with Betty. You know, she might want to start going back to the church group. She doesn't need that support from her carers anymore. So you've supported her through that crisis. You've met your Care Act's, you know, eligibility of supporting her with her eligible needs, but also you've hit that prevent, reduce, delay aspect of the Care Act as well. Of you know, working with her at that point of a crisis, pulling her out of that crisis she was in, promoting her independence, and she might need longer term support. However, alternatively, you could get to a point where you do need to start looking at some conversation free planning. But that's where you've got a bit more freedom and flexibility to work with Betty to meet her needs the way that she wants them to be met. So Betty still might not be able to get herself in the shower on a morning because she's caused some permanent damage as a result of the fracture following her fall. She might be feeling a bit more anxious about taking her medication because she's been prescribed some new medication which she's not used to taking. So it's knocked her out of her usual routines. So at that point, you can sit and talk to Betty, be like, right, so what do you want to achieve? And that's a key aspect to free conversations as well. It's not going in there with your eligibility criteria and ticking the boxes about, right, you need support to meet these eligible needs. This is the outcome on your wellbeing. This is your Care Act eligibility. Here's your assessment. Goodbye, see you later. We'll review it in a year. It's about what do you want to do? She wants to get herself back to that church club she goes to three times a week. She wants to make sure that she's, you know, up presentable. She takes a lot of pride in her appearance and she feels quite frustrated that she can't, you know, manage their needs as independently as she was doing. But again, she doesn't want carers to come in and give her a medication. She wants to be able to take her medication herself. So to that point, you might think, right, well, why don't we refer you for an occupational therapy assessment to see if there's anything we can do to support you to be able to get showered by yourself? Why don't we see what assistive technology is available to support you to take your medication at the right time? Such as, a, I don't want to say Alexa system, but I've said Alexa system now anyway. Other voice command speakers are available, just in case Jeff Bezos decides to sue social workshops, but we might have to edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, medication carousels, different assisted technology, which is advancing day by day, you know. And I think, again, a lot about free conversations and about having them conversations about them outcomes that people want to achieve, you realise how much is actually out there. You don't just mm. have your pendant alarms and your falls bracelets anymore. You've got voice speakers, you've got, you know, like flood detectors if people need support with running the bath and um, the amount of assistive technology out for people with visual impairments as well and yeah it's it all just boils down at the end of the day to that conversation and yeah. having that chat with somebody about what they want to achieve and what can we do to support you to achieve that to get to a point where the plan that we've developed is your plan with your voice woven throughout that entire thing yeah sounds a bit like social work 
Yeah, I know. It's quite weird, that, isn't it? It sounds like... <laughs> I mean, it's I know a, that I'll, I'll... Um, when I've done a lot of work with um, kind of implementing this in an authority that I used to work in, um, people kept on seeing the term good old-fashioned social work, and that kept on coming around time after time again. But it's not good old-fashioned social work. I think it's the social work people have been doing for years anyway, but just not thinking about it and perhaps... Some of the processes have got in the way of that. Yeah, well, I, could, I, I suppose I can give you some insight in that because I, I was a social worker quite a bit ago. I, I mean, my most of my social work career was spent pre-personalisation agenda. And, yeah. and, 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 and everything you've described there are essentially the concepts that, that per, the personalisation agenda was rooted in, wasn't it, about strengths-based practice and all that kind of thing. And, and I can... Um, hand on heart say and, and not proud of this I suppose it was just the way we worked we worked under a care management model um, and we would as a social worker I would immediately go to what you described when you described a conversation three uh, th that's immediately what I would go to it would be what's your problem what have I got in my tool tool bag that can fix that problem yeah. um, and, and and so you'd get daycare you'd get you know you'd, you'd or you'd get home support or you'd get whatever and, and it just strikes me that the that what you've described, um, as, as well as the things in the Care Act that that, that you mentioned, it, it 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 sings quite loudly the the whole well-being, you know, underpinning idea of, of, of the the Care Act, isn't it? That we yeah. should be promoting people's well-being. I'm sure. I'm sure that when I um, recommended and provided someone with daycare, I managed to um, I managed to uh, connect them with some people. I managed their safety maybe um, maybe give a carer a break but i'm not sure it necessarily enhanced the individual's well-being i think it warehoused no, I... for want of a better word warehoused them somewhere so that things were a bit safer overall and people people got a break so so i, I think it um I, I think it i think it feels like like very real social work that i think you're absolutely right maybe we lost somewhere in, in a more process kind of kind of driven driven social work. Um, what one thing about this whole idea that that, that I really like um, is this phrase that through the three conversations people use all the time, which is you, you stick to someone like glue. Yes. And I really got that through through that whole process that you described. So I think that was a really good example that uh, that that you you that you become that person's practitioner. And, and you stay with them throughout that journey, kind of wherever it goes, which I think's thinks really important. You, you've, you've, um, from what you've just been telling me there before we started talking, you've moved to another authority where they're where they're now introducing this idea. Uh, they're, they're maybe moving towards this three conversations idea. And, and how's that? How's that feel to go to a, an authority that aren't doing it and to be working towards doing it there as well? So yeah, that's something that feels like quite exciting for me at the moment. So. At the moment, I'm working in a team called the Achieving Change Together team at Gateshead Council. And what that team was set up for is like a long-term enablement team for people with some of the more complex needs and that have you know, quite a lot of high-level support to meet those needs as well. And kind of to put the free conversations onto that as well. It's lots of that conversation-free planning. But again, doing things differently for that person sitting down, getting to know them. You know, there's people that have perhaps, you know, been in residential care services for 10, 15 years, people that were discharged to them services from long-stay hospitals, where they've perhaps been since childhood as well. 
and about looking at that that social work with people and having them conversations with people about what they want to achieve when perhaps you know previous assessments have been done under some of them older ways of working that were perhaps a bit more process driven and a bit more ticky box which was just the nature of of social work and what we do as well is we have very good links with our assisted technology team with our commissioning team and you know after we've had these conversations with people about what they want to achieve and what outcomes they want to achieve see what else is out there you know there might be some assistive technology that can promote that person's independence our commissioning team might be aware of another service that it's still meeting that person's need but it's meeting it in the way they want it to be met yeah and across the service as well we are looking at some of that you know conversation one and conversation two approaches as well such as we've got our mart team which is our multi-agency assessment and referral team so what they're starting to do now post-COVID is be based in the different community hubs across Gateshead and have a visual presence in them where, you know, people can approach them with, you know, perhaps lower level queries that they've got and be signposted in the right direction, but also see people living in the communities that they're living in. Now, if somebody comes in, you know, every week and requests a food parcel, then why are they requesting a food parcel? What is it that's making them do that? You know, and what can we perhaps do to support them with that? Is that an indicator that perhaps something else in that person's life's not going to plan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite lucky last week as well to go to an event um, with our principal social worker, Joanne Thompson, um, about community engagement. And what we're going to start looking at is what's out there in our communities kind of post-COVID because lots of it's changed, you know, lots of services have changed their remits, you know, some of them are starting back up with social distancing, but looking again at what I was saying about knowing them communities that we work in, you know, we met in this pub in the Dunstan area of Gateshead where, I don't know, I'm meeting in a pub, that sounded fantastic for a deer in the office as well, but, you know, they have um, a pub quiz one night a week where they get lots of more isolated gentlemen they all kind of come in the meet up they have you know a few shandies a few hearts they just mm-hmm. get out the house and get to know each other they're also setting up a service as well where they've got um some uh, young men coming in from um, a learning disabilities independent supported living service where they're coming in and it's a safe space for them as well where you know if they want to go up to the bar and buy something they know that the person behind the bar is going to support them, you know, to pay for it correctly, to make sure, you know, they're going to get the right change. Um, the community hall over the road, they're starting a young mother's group, which is run by actually the lady that owns the sweet shop next door to the pub. And it's, it's things like that that, you know, when we're working with people, we're working with them as a resident of their community. And yeah. it's signposting them and connecting them things in their community because you know some for some people you know formal DS services work well for them and you know yeah. they are yeah. very important aspects I think but at the same time it's it's not for everyone and I think so you know 
probably be promoting people's independence. We need to be aware of these resources and services available and be able to point them towards them. That's wonderful, and it, it it seems very. It sounds very community focused. It sounds like, as the practitioner in the middle of this, you bring other people in, rather than referring out to other people. You know what I mean? You kind of does that make sense? You're bringing them yeah. into the in, into the situation rather than kind of handing it off. Then you leave the situation. This sticks like glue. You stay with that situation, don't you? And see what those other people, what those other people um, can offer. And and the. And the the way you describe this more very community-based, community-focused thing, um, it, 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 it's. It, I think the. It feels. It feels like. It feels like a positive future for social work to work it in 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 this way. Um, which which leads me to a brand new feature that I've just decided to have in uh, in, in social work shorts insights, which is to conclude, is the 10-second answers. Right. Okay. So. Um, so you've got 10 seconds to answer these three questions. It's the same question about three different sorts of people. Okay. Nothing so I if we're about, is there, uh, no, no pressure. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to edit it out. If it goes badly, we're going to edit it out. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so the, the question is the same. What is in what is in the three conversations for? Okay, service users. So, what 10 second answer? What is what is in this for service users? Opportunity being listened to and having an opportunity to have your voice heard and listened to. What is in the three conversations for social workers? Uh, satisfaction by, as we say, that good old fashioned social work and them opportunities to actually work with people and not be sat behind a laptop typing up assessments and reports. So finally, what is in the three conversations for the organisations that social workers work in? That's maybe a tougher one. Um, satisfied practitioners who've got more job satisfaction about the work that they're doing, better outcomes for the people that we're working with, and arguably cost savings by looking at you know different ways of working with people that you know perhaps aren't relying on commission services, but what's out there in people's communities you're still meeting that cm outcome and goal for the person but in a way that's better for them yeah absolutely i mean one of the things that, that i know you know that i'm interested in is is the well-being of social workers as well and i, and I yeah. think we we shouldn't lose sight. i mean where we are our our role of social workers is to support the people that we need to support but uh Happy practitioners are going to do that so much more effectively and, and so much better, aren't they, than, than practitioners that, that aren't. So I think that, to, that to me, anyway, that's another important aspect of three conversations. Not only does it does it uh, support better outcomes for people, but it also supports happier practitioners and 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 better better run organisations, maybe because uh, because people are are, are enjoying. Their, their job, they, they don't feel as though they're processing people, they feel as though they're really supporting people in, in their communities. That seems to be an important feature. Yeah. I agree. And I think, you know, for yourself, you know, if you speak to any first year social work student on their first day of their course and ask them why they went into social work, they'll say they want to make a difference, they want to work with people, they want to support people. And I'd imagine that would be a common theme around the entire room. Now, I don't think anybody would say, oh, well, 
I want to write reports about people. I want to, you know, focus on what people cannot do. You know, I want to kind of, you know, take independence away from people. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's social work, isn't it? Thanks for joining us on uh, Social Work Shorts Insights, Dan. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Dan, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Find out more at socialworkshorts.co.uk.